Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and I'm flying solo for this special episode today. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Just like my name, S-T-E-E-L-E. Also, you can follow us on social media. I can be found on Twitter at WannabeRounder, LinkedIn, and on Instagram at DCadudo. Just a couple of quick announcements. Our Patreon channel is now live. You can find it by typing Real Talks into the search bar. Let me tell you a little about it. We're offering five different levels to support us at. $5, $10, $20, $30, and $40. If you do choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to get some great perks, such as earning your name shouted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly Zoom meeting with Ilwa and myself. For more details, just go to the website. I'll leave the link in the description, which leads me to my next big announcement. Flashback Friars are now underway. We're a few weeks in, and this is where Ian Cargard and myself will be discussing films from the past. The last film we talked about was Thor, and then we're going to be doing every single MCU movie in chronological order. Stay tuned for this week's episode, where we will be talking about Captain America First Avenger. I can't reiterate enough. Hit that follow button so you never miss a podcast. So today, as I said, is a special episode. And this is a spoiler cast. I just got out of the theater of seeing Top Gun Maverick just a few minutes ago, and I wanted to give you my thoughts. Once again, this is a spoiler cast, so if you haven't seen it, and I know it's early, go watch it and then come back and listen to it. So let me give you a couple background facts about the movie real quick. So first and foremost, this was produced by Paramount Pictures, Skydance, and Jerry Brockheimer Films. The budget was $152 million, which they used every penny of that in, in all of the sequences, which I'll get into later. This was a direct sequel to the 1986 movie of Top Gun, which starred Tom Cruise, obviously, and Val Kilmer. It was rated PG-13 for sequences of intense action and some strong language. There were a couple of profane words, but nothing your kids probably haven't heard on TV or the internet before. It made a whopping $19 million last night in previews. So that tells you this is tracking really, really well. Critics have also been raving about this movie. I've heard that this is in the neighborhood. I mean, nothing's exact. We'll find out the final figures on Monday. But this is tracking to maybe somewhere right around $130 to $140 million. That would be it's an astounding opening for that. So let me get into the nuts and bolts of it. Maverick is about Tom Cruise's character, Captain Pete Mitchell, who comes back after more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, where he belongs, and he's pushing the envelope to test a courageous test pilot and dodging so the advancement in rank that would ground him. So essentially... What he has to so in the beginning of the movie we see him fixing a plane. It has all of the sequences, callback scenes. We'll get to in a couple of minutes. But so he's in the hangar fixing a plane, and then he takes off on a motorcycle down a runway. So he goes to this training facility where he is. We see this 
huge stealth jet and they have been doing tests on it trying to hit a certain speed so the speed that they want to hit was Mach 10 that's right Mach 10 they had gotten all the way up to Mach 9 found out from one of the supporting characters that his that the funding had been pulled for, for the testing so what ends up happening is before the the general can get there or the admiral because he is in the navy after all before the admiral can get there he takes the plane out so hondo is his name so before the admiral played briefly we see ed harris so before ed harris's character can get there he takes the plane out so he takes off and he's testing it so he eventually does hit mach 10 and i gotta say the air sequences in this movie are unbelievable the technology that was used for the cameras inside of the the cockpits today which is unbelievable and incredible so we see i mean you he's really pulling 10 g's <laughs> that's the crazy thing here he goes a little bit above 10 g's and then he has to bail out of it then he gets pulled into his superior's office and kind of like the same top gun back in 1986 when cougar all you film fans remember cougar actually got spooked and he was the number one guy and he turned in his wings and that gave maverick and goose the shot to go to top gun well in this particular sequence he's getting chastised and yelled at by his superiors but an old buddy of his iceman tom kaczynski actually played by the incomparable Val Kilmer, who does make a cameo that was really cool. He pulls a couple strings and he gets him to go to Top Gun. So now he's on his way to Top Gun. That was a cool sequence where you see he's on the motorcycle and then you see the jet. He's looking off to the left and you see the jet taking off. As he enters, we he's briefed by Admiral Solomon Bates and played by Charles Parnell. And John Hamm from Mad Men was actually in this. And he played Admiral Bo Simpson. So Bates was very sympathetic to Maverick while Simpson was not. So Simpson, had, I think it was a two or three-star admiral, and he said that he wasn't his first choice and there's an impossible mission that has to be completed. And we're bringing in the best of the best, and we somebody put in a phone call for you to train them. And it was ICE. Now, Maverick is tasked with having to train these 14 to 16 pilots, but he's only going to use eight of them. So the next shot you see, or the next few scenes you see, is he is going to the watering hole, which is called the hard deck. And he's having a beer, thinking about things, and then in comes the new interest of Tom Cruise, Peggy Benjamin, played by Jennifer Connelly. And so they start reminiscing about old times and how he left her and everything else. It was a funny sequence where she has this rule that if you disrespect a lady or use your cell phone at the bar, you have to buy a round. Well, it goes back and forth for about five minutes. So she rings the bell and everybody's like, yeah, he doesn't have the cash. So she's running the bar at this point. They, four or five of the cadets or the officers basically throw Maverick out. But before they do, 
we are introducing a really cool sequence of, of events of all of the, the fighter pilots. So we have like 10 or 12 or 14 fighter pilots coming in and, you know, we're getting their names and we're getting to know them and personalities and which is going to come into important roles later on. So one guy was just called Bob. <laughs> yeah. So we get introductions to everybody. So a couple of the officers throw them out. And at that point, one of the first real callbacks you see is you see that Pete's looking through the window and Rooster, played by Miles Teller, who's, who's really good in this, by the way, and he looked the part. Did he ever look the part? So he pulls out the plug of the jukebox and then he goes to the piano and he starts playing Great Balls of Fire, just like his father did back in the 1986 movie. And Maverick starts having flashbacks. And there had been there were pictures all around Maverick's locker. That was the other thing they used really well were, were pictures of black and white pictures of, of the old movies, certain shots. So he starts having flashbacks. And so she sees that he's not quite all together. And then so that happens. And then he goes to sit down and, and think about things. And he gets a text message from ice saying you know how are you it's been a while so eventually the two admirals want and explain to maverick like i said the this improbable mission that they have to do and they get maverick to train these top tier fighter pilots to actually push harder and do everything and push the limits of what their capabilities are so I mean, you have a, a juxtaposition of characters. For example, you had Hangman was very cocky. He was like the snobbish one. Bob was really like the, the nerdy one. Phoenix was the, I would say, by the book one. I mean, really, Payback wasn't, was just, he was just, a, JL, played by J.L. Ellis, was just like a side character. But it really, really focused on Rooster and Maverick because... Let's face it, that was that's so Rooster is Goose's son, hence the call sign. So throughout the movie, we find why Rooster has so much disdain and resentment for Maverick. And one of the things we find out later on is that Maverick pulled his naval papers and set his career back like four or five years. So they get off to a rocky start. And so a little later on in the film, Maverick comes back with the money and said, you know, I just wanted to pay this off. So he was trying to make peace with, with Penny. So the first time that we see Maverick give her a ride home, she's like, you know, don't give me that look. So she just closes the door. But she kind of, after she closes it, she just leans against it like, oh, God, I'm really going to fall for this guy again. So the next time, so when it goes back to give her the money, she has a sailboat that needs to be tended to. So he goes out with her on the sailboat. And... So he helps her take care of the sailboat. So the next time he gives her a ride home, she kind of leaves the door open. And, of course, the romance, the flames start back up. And so she has a daughter now. And at this point, then it was a funny scene where they're both laying in bed and he's talking to her. And she said, you know, do you want me to go? That's what Maverick said. And she's like, no, my daughter's at, at her friend's house. And the next thing you hear is, Mom, I'm home. So they both 
lean up and like, oh, shit, I got to get you out of here. So just like, you know, 15 or 16-year-old kid would sneak out the window. So he sneaks out the window and he's like, I'm never. So he gives her a kiss and he's like, I'm never going to leave you again. So he's like, go, go, go. So he kind of falls off the roof and he stands up and she's standing right there. <laughs> she's standing right there looking at him. And she knows. And she says to Maverick, don't break my mom's heart again, which I thought was really sweet. So now he is back in her good graces. Meanwhile, he's now trying to train these pilots to do this impossible mission. And I keep going back to that because that's what it looked like. And there was a scuffle between the pilots because Hangman found out that Rooster was Goose's son. And he basically threw it back in his face. And so now Maverick has to now bring these people, all these 14 separate egos together as a team. So this is when he gets a text from Ice and says, look, I need to see you. Because the way they used Ice, I thought, or Val Kilmer was fantastic. And I'll get to that in a minute. He's like, it's not a good time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I have to see you. So he goes the next day and his wife answers the door and, they used his health problems, Val Kilmer's health problems, and they wrote it into the script. Now, they basically didn't say that he had had cancer, but he was in dire straits. And subsequently, she says to Maverick, he doesn't have much time, and the doctors can't do anything else. So Maverick and I have a touching moment. That's a really cool scene. And... So the way Iceman communicates is by a computer. And so he says, you know, you have to let go. You have to let go of the resentment and you have to teach him to care. So, and then, you know, he stands up and they embrace a couple of times. And it was a funny moment where he says, so who's the better pilot? And Maverick's like, let's just leave it at that, you know. But you were waiting for the moment where he actually spoke, right? So that was really, really cool to see. So now, at this point, his friend is dying. And then he gets informed that, well, before that, let's backtrack a little bit. So in order to get the team back together, what you see, the, the iconic beach volleyball shot in the 1986 movie, well, we have a football shot. We have them playing football together on the beach. So it was kind of the same thing. Another callback, if you will. So... The Admiral comes up and says, what are they doing? And he's like, they're playing football, sir. It's offense and defense. And he's like, well, who's winning? And he's like, I think they've lost track by now. Well, we have to do our work. We're team building, sir. You want them to be a team. This is how we build their confidence up. It's kind of snubbing his nose and the Admiral's face, but at the same time, he understands it. I mean, that's Maverick for you, right? Then he actually gets pulled from the mission because the timetable's moved up. So he doesn't know what to do. He's at a point of no return here for the character himself. His friend is dying, and now he got pulled from the mission. The only thing he could do, and so he has a talk with Penny, and he says, you know, what am I going to do? And she said, you'll figure something out. So the next thing you see is the shot of the empty conference room, and there's nobody on the hangar, so what's going on here? So then you hear Maverick over the radio. So he had taken a fighter plane 
and was actually going to do the run in a lot of time that he said. And I mean, the airplane sequences and the amount of G's they pulled is just unbelievable. And so if you listen to the roundup a couple weeks ago, which by the way, go back, take a listen to that roundup. Tom Cruise actually had to show each and every one of the actors how to light because it was them in the planes. They had to learn in a period of time how to fly these fighter planes. So I can't get over the amount of just the amazing amount of work that went into this movie. So he flies, he flies it in two minutes and 15 seconds. And there was 16 hundredths of a second on the clock. Then he gets pulled back in the Simpsons office and says, look, I have a dilemma on my hands now. I either, one, dishonorably discharge you because I have all, everything I need, or two, I put my own career on the line because I don't do anything because you're trying to help us. And that's why I'm going to make you the team leader because he had to choose a team leader. He's like, well, I'm making you the team leader, so you have to go. Now we're about two-thirds through the way of, of the movie, at this point, he has to choose the his teams. And because he has... So as I said earlier, the reason why Rooster had so much resentment was because he got held back, essentially, in like three to four years. So in order to show that Maverick was letting go, he chose Rooster as his wingman, just like his father. So the other pairs were... It was Bob and... Phoenix, and, and there was one more pairing. So nonetheless, now they're going to go and they have the whole thing planned out and they're going to make this run. So one of the planes gets shot down. So first I should backtrack a little bit. Ice does pass. So now he's in a real spot where he feels like Maverick is alone. So kind of the, like the scene in the 1986 movie where after Goose died... He said he goes to Tom Skerritt's character and says, what am I allowed to do? So he wanted to know his options. So he basically said, you can either graduate with your class or quit. It's the same premise here. Kind of like another callback, but not necessarily. So then the mission begins and we see them. They hit the target and then Maverick's plane gets shot down. So at this point, Simpson basically said, look, everybody back to base. We can't do anything for Maverick. We see it was actually a really cool shot of Rooster's eyes. You know, everybody telling him to turn back. The next thing you see is we find Maverick, okay? He ejected from his plane. He got out of his plane, and it's snowy. And we see this large helicopter about to shoot him down because he's in enemy territory after all, right? So he evades it once, and just as he's about to get shot, the helicopter explodes. And it was Rooster. So then a bogey actually shot him down. So then you see that iconic shot of Tom Cruise, every single one of his Mission Impossible movies. And by the way, I should say, the screenplay was also written by Chris McQuarrie, who is who has directed Tom in the past and several of the other Mission Impossible movies and will be directing the upcoming Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning movie coming out next year. But it had him actually going and running through the snow as fast as he could, and he finds Rooster. And Rooster's 
So they have a little confrontation, but it turns friendly very quickly. The next shot you see them, the base is destroyed that they bombed with the Tomahawks. So they're going to go steal a plane. And Rooster looks at him and says, are you kidding me? So they find this old F-14 and it's a Tomcat. It was in the first film, another callback. So at that point, they steal the plane and then there are two bogeys in the vicinity area, in the vicinity. And so they find out that that's not a friendly, so they go to shoot him down. They get the two bogeys shot down. And then there was one more coming at him. So Rooster manages to get the radio back and then they run out of ammo. And you think, oh no, this is going to be the end of him. And so Maverick thinks quick, goes below almost under the hard deck, which is like 5,000 feet, and scrambles their radar. And this is where Hangman comes in and saves the day. And they get back to the aircraft carrier and both of them get back in one piece. And, and that's about it. Maverick goes back to visit Penny at the bar and says, you know, I needed to speak to her. Where was she? And she, you know, went sailing with her daughter and she didn't know when she was going to be back. And then, which is, you know, right out of the 1986 movie, if you will, when he goes back, you know, Kelly McGinnis's house after the whole thing is over and she's gone. And then it was actually a really cool shot. You saw the daughter in one of the reflection of the mirror. And then we see Penny there, but you see Goose there helping Maverick on the, on the same plane he was working on in the beginning. And then they hop in the plane and take off and that's it. So in 30 minutes, I just gave you a, a two hour and 20 minute synopsis minute movie. I, I know I missed some stuff. You guys can go. I'm sure you've remember other points that I've missed, but overall, my God, what a movie. This, this was worth 36 years of waiting. It was, I put out a tweet earlier about it. It was just, it was an unbelievable, I said that it was glorious. It made me shed a tear and it actually did make me shed a tear. It was, got me a little emotional. The movie had everything you wanted. Callbacks, drama, funny moments, the airplane sequences, and I cannot get over those, were incredible. And I would even, as I said in the beginning, I would even go so far as to say this, I would put this on the short list of movies that are better than the original. And I'm talking about like The Dark Knight being better than Batman, Batman Begins, The Godfather 2 being better than The Godfather, even though that's difficult to believe, Winter Soldier better, being better than The First Avenger, Empire Strikes Back being better than Star Wars, which, so, yeah, it was the only regret I have is not seeing this in IMAX first because it was, edge of your seat action. There was more shots of being in an airplane than I really thought. I mean, I thought you'd see some, sure, but wow, this was just edge of your seat. And it was all real. How they did this, the cinematography was unbelievable. So right now, this is probably the movie of the year. I mean, I know there are others out there. So even though Doctor Strange made a whole boatload of money the last three weeks, I think of the major movies right now, probably putting Batman at one just because it was so well done. I mean, there were small little things to it, but that should get nominated for at least four or five Academy Awards. Nominated for Best Picture, that's yet to be determined. But I think Matt Reeves... 
absolutely deserves a Best Directing Oscar nomination. Paul Dano absolutely deserves a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Score, screenplay, original screenplay. So there are a couple other things. I definitely put this in number two. Far and away over Doctor Strange. So this is this was an incredible movie. I'm absolutely going back to see this soon. So I will go back and see it in IMAX. It was just, there were not enough superlatives to tell you how much I enjoyed this. So that's going to wrap this up. So coming up in the coming weeks, we, speaking of blockbuster films, we have the beginning of June, we have Jurassic World Dominion, which we saw a trailer for that. It had been out previously online and whatnot. That's probably going to make $200 million, hands down. So this might be the first time we have two or three films breaking 160, 170, 180 million dollars opening weekend. The week after that, we have Lightyear, the standalone Pixar film, and Chris Evans is going to be voicing Buzz Lightyear. That's going to be fun. And then the movie I think is really underrated that I'm looking forward to more than anything else is June 24th. It's Elvis, Tom Hanks, and you know. I think that's going to be a really good movie. And then on July 8th, we have, two weeks after that, we have Thor Love and Thunder. And then we have another, the next week, two weeks after that, on the 22nd, I've got to sit down and I've, I have some homework. I have to watch some Jordan Peele movies. But nope, it looks awesome. I think Jordan Peele is one of the best filmmakers of our time. And we will be doing a Jordan Peele podcast the week of that film's being released. So we'll talk about Get Out and we'll talk about, he's only made a few movies, but we'll talk about Get Out and we'll talk about us and where he may rank all time as far as psychological thrillers. So, yeah, okay. Until the next time I get to talk to you guys, I'm David Steele and you have been listening to Real Talk. (laughs) 